0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of joining the NFL, they've joined a different league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Whether you're one of the few down at Paul Brown Stadium or you're watching from your couch at home, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. James will be joining me, as always, for segments two and three of the show. But I'm Jake, and I'm here to get you through the opening part of the show, when we'll recap the Bengals' 19-17 loss at home to the New York Giants. Just another in the string of one-score losses for Zach Taylor's team. And Brandon Allen had the ball in his hands. With the chance to win the game in walk-off fashion, didn't quite happen that way. We'll talk about how the game got to the point it did, where the Bengals hung with the New York football Giants, now 4-7, and seven, all the way down to the last minute of the game. The Giants took the lead on their first possession of the game, and the Bengals quickly answered with a Brandon Wilson a 103-yard kickoff return touchdown, setting the record for the longest play in Bengals history. This play unseating, current offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs and former Bengals head coaching candidate Eric Bieniemy, whose 102-yard kickoff return previously held the record, and then the game kind of spiraled downward a little bit from there. The Bengals did take a lead following an Eric Ingram fumble caused by Von Bell. Von Bell punching one out after getting beat earlier in the game on a big catch to Ingram, This play in particular was a play-action pass that opened up a gaping hole in the middle of the field for Evan Ingram, but right as he was going down, Von Bell gets his hand in there to punch it out, and the Bengals take over after, really, a pretty big fumble recovery and return for Von Bell as well, one of his nice plays in this game. The Bengals settled for a field goal in the end. They go nine plays, 29 yards in five minutes on that drive, and end up kicking the field goal. The Giants come back with an 11-play 44-yard field goal drive of their own just before halftime, and the Bengals and the Giants headed into halftime all tied up at 10-10. But the score was much closer than the play on the field would have indicated. The Bengals helped a lot by that special teams touchdown from Brandon Wilson and helped a lot by the fumble from the New York Giants as they were moving the ball much better than the Bengals in the first half. They ended up running 42 plays to so the Bengals' 19. They outgained the Bengals significantly in that first half, over 200 yards to under 100 yards. But things changed a little bit coming out of halftime. The Bengals took the ball first and didn't really do a whole lot. But then on the Giants' next drive, after uh, Wayne Gallman broken tackle fast from inside the Giants' own 10-yard line, got the Giants' Out past the 20-yard line, the Giants found Evan Engram on a deep ball. And a couple plays later, Daniel Jones went down with a hamstring injury. And backing him up for the Giants was Colt McCoy. And for the rest of the game, after Daniel Jones tried to come back in and found that he couldn't really play with his hamstring grabbing as he was trying to throw the ball from the pocket, it was Colt McCoy against Brandon Allen in a contest of backups. Backups. And the football became pretty unwatchable for those that hold a high standard for NFL football, but the scoring wasn't quite over. On the drive after Daniel Jones went out of the game, Colt McCoy couldn't get the Giants into the end zone, so they end up settling for a field goal, and they would kick two more field goals over the course of the game to get to 19 points. Brandon Allen did throw an interception in the second half. He also lost a fumbles, as did Drew Sample, which ended up leading to... The Bengals, with more turnovers than the Giants, despite the Bengals defenders getting their hands to several Daniel Jones passes that they didn't intercept, in addition to their one fumble recovery, the one touchdown for the Bengals came on a seven-play, 72-yard drive toward the end of the game. It was T. Higgins on a play-action pass, which was actually a really nice play for both him and Brandon Allen drifting backwards in the pocket to buy T. Higgins time to work through the trash underneath unfortunately it wasn't enough while the Bengals did come out and get a three-play stop on the New York Giants to get the ball back to their offense with just about a minute to go in the game Brandon Allen was sacked on the very first play of that game lost the football the Giants fell on it and that was all she wrote for the Bengals in this one 19 to 17 the final score for the New York Giants. And the Bengals had their opportunities. They just couldn't really get anything going on offense. A.J. Green, for example, finishing with three targets, catching none of them, and leading the way for the Bengals receivers was T. Higgins with five catches for 44 yards in the touchdown. The most targeted Bengals receiver was Tyler Boyd, who had six of those targets. He only managed to convert three of them for 15 yards. As fantasy owners for Bengals wide receivers are suffering a significant drop off from Joe Burrow to Brandon Allen in the running game. The Bengals only ran the ball 15 times. They averaged 2.7 yards per carry on those runs, including an Alex Erickson jet sweep that went for minus four yards on a second and long that led to a Bengals punt. Gio led the way for Cincinnati runners with eight carries for 32 yards. Meanwhile, the Bengals did get gashed a little bit in run defense. Wayne Goleman goes 24 carries for 94 yards 3.9 yards per carry, but he did have four straight carries down near the goal line early in the game, bringing that average down. And generally, the Bengals had a hard time tackling. Daniel Jones finished the game 6 for 27 for 213 yards before he went out of the game. And Colt McCoy comes in and averaged about half as many yards per attempt, actually less than half as many yards per attempt. So at that point in the game, the scoring had kind of trickled to a, a stop the backup quarterbacks not being able to move their respective offenses. And just watching, you got a feeling that not many more points were going to be scored, and that was the case in the second half. Coming up next, James joins the program. We'll talk about what, if anything, we can take away, what we learned from this Bengals performance against the New York Giants. We'll talk about what some of the positives may have been and what some negatives may be that actually matter. Because what really matters coming out of this football game, what really matters going down the stretch that is James and my task for the rest of the season to distill from the noise the things that might matter when this team becomes competitive when Joe Burrow returns. A story over the Thanksgiving long weekend described Joe Burrow as a beast for his pain threshold, and we know he's going to be putting a lot of work in this offseason to get back into shape. And if you're putting a lot of work in to get into shape or get into better shape, Echelon Fit the evolution of fitness could just be your best path forward. When it comes to staying in shape or getting in shape, nothing feels as good as getting that feeling of accomplishment and hitting your fitness goals. And Echelon has an arsenal of high-tech fitness products at prices anyone can afford, from their bikes to the Reflect Mirror to their rowers, their newest product, the Stride Treadmill. There are so many affordable choices For Connected Fitness with Echelon Fit, they've got world-class instructors that will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available on your schedule whenever you need them, and making it more affordable than everyone, just a big perk for Echelon. One membership gets up to five family members working out at the same time if you've got a family that wants to work out together. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to EchelonFit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N Fit.com slash NFL to check it out.
2: This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
1: All right, let's welcome James Rapine into the show. He's down at Paul Brown Stadium finishing up his game day coverage. And before we start to talk a little bit more about this game, just a reminder, tomorrow coming up, we've got Mock Draft Monday that is officially a weekly segment for the rest of the season and into the offseason on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So we're going to be keeping it philosophical for a couple more weeks before we dive into specific mock drafts and specific prospects. But As you would expect, we're going to remain focused as if the Bengals are picking third and the best player available at that point, very likely to be Pene Suo. James, I told the listeners that we would try to figure out what was important coming out of games like this game. And for me, it is a struggle, obviously, that some people, yourself included, I think, are still evaluating this coaching staff, seeing if there's any reason Anything changes from what we've seen to this point. For me, that evaluation is mostly done, although I do hear your perspective and I hear your point. And for me, I'm trying to focus on some of the players that I think will be part of the core in the future. But coming out of this game, Colt McCoy comes in. The Bengals still lose a one-score game. What's important to you, James, coming out of this loss to the New York Giants?
3: Well, the first thing that stands out, Jake, is it's another one-score loss. For Zach Taylor, and I may be off on this number because there's been a lot of them. And we well, we haven't talked about a one score loss in a few weeks, but I believe it is he's won 13 and one in one score game since taking over in 2019. So, just uh, one of those stats. And I know it's not doesn't tell the whole story or anything like that, but it's certainly an ugly stat, ugly blemish. But this is a game, Jake, they could have won, it was there. Um, obviously. Uh, Looking back, when we at the midpoint of the year looked at Washington and now New York as two winnable games with Joe Burrow, I think we've confirmed that that they would have won both games had number nine been out there uh, for both contests. And unfortunately, uh, you saw what the offense could look like for the rest of the season now, where it's just kind of going through the motions and outside of a penalty aided drive late in the fourth quarter. They were never really in in a rhythm. They were never really able to to do much, and that's with a, a, a lot of losses. Let's be honest here. It's not just Burrow. You don't have Mixon. You can't get the 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 ball on the ground. The, the rushing game going. I think they ran for 40 yards as a team. 40. So you're not getting Burrow's yards as a as a rusher. You obviously don't have Mixon out there. So it's just it's tough right now. Um, but but as far as things I'm evaluating, and there are I think some takeaways here, good and bad um it's a coaching staff thing. I'm looking week in week out how do how are they performing? And it isn't just Zach Taylor because I think there is a scenario where Zach Taylor's back, but some of these assistants aren't. So how do they perform down the stretch? How do the their position groups perform down the stretch? And, and a guy that had a rough day, at least at times was was Jonah Williams. you know he he got beat for a sack in the first half. I think he was uh was a little off today. And you do wonder, is that, how much of that is playing with Quentin Spain versus you're, you're being used to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan came in for Redmond and, and went back to left guard when Redmond went out with the concussion and Spain moved over to the right side. So uh, I'm not sure that was a factor or not, but you want to see growth from some of these guys, right? The, these guys that you know are going to be around long-term, Williams is one of those players. And uh, I, I think he had a... a A rough outing, certainly below his standard type of outing today against the Giants.
1: Yeah, it's not something I'm particularly worried about. I think that Jonah will be fine in the long term. He did have some issues. He got beat cleanly inside for what led to a holding penalty on what should have been an eight-yard pass to T. Higgins in the fourth or third quarter. I can't really remember. It all kind of blended together at some point for me after it kept looking the same for the whole game. He also got beat for maybe two sacks. It's going to be interesting to go back and look at those. One of them, the tight end was helping on the defensive end. Jonah kind of drifts inside and ends up getting beat around the corner. The other one uh, was a stunt where Leonard Williams, I believe, comes around the outside and Jonah just doesn't handle it very well. I do think that one is on Jonah Williams to handle the stunt pickup a little bit better. He's there mentally, but the hands didn't quite land and He didn't do a good job of staying in front of Williams on that particular play, So there were a few blemishes for Jonah today. It's not really something that is the cause for alarm for me though. Like if I was giving a report card out today to the offensive line, it's probably like a C. I think Brandon Allen held the ball too long. And if Joe Burrow's in there, you can get by with what they got from the offensive line today. And that's focused on pass blocking because they really hardly tried to run the ball. As you kind of pointed out, they tried to work in some of the screen game. They tried to get some touches in there for Geo, but they just didn't run, run very many plays in total. They were out by a significant margin because they couldn't sustain drives, and Brandon Allen, to me, just looked like he was having a very hard time processing and executing even the simple stuff. And, and that's what makes it hard for me to evaluate certain parts of the coaching staff, to evaluate Zach Taylor, there's a lot of fire Zach Taylor. He didn't look creative. He's he's not doing anything interesting out there. But I think he's extremely hamstrung in terms of executing offense. And I think that the more valid criticism of Taylor at this point is how the roster got to this point. Offseason roster construction, coach selection, uh, assistant coach selection. I mean, I think those are areas you can point to where Taylor certainly has some deficiencies. And And you could talk about play calling, too, but... Really, I thought it was going in the right direction with Burrow out there. But what do you think about the defense today? So the coaches on the hot seat, offensive line, not really a terribly stiff test today in pass protection against the New York Giants and the defensive coordinator. Those are the two guys that are predominantly under fire. The defense was not playing very well when Daniel Jones was in the game and played, as you would expect, against the backup Colt McCoy. And kind of the, the game stalls out from there for both sides. Does this change anything for Lou Anaruma for you or is this just, well, let's see how it how it goes against a a team that actually can play some offense uh, without Colt McCoy back there? Because before Colt McCoy came in, the game was a lot closer on the scoreboard than it was in terms of how the teams were playing.
3: Well, it's tough because if we're doing that and and we're going to say, well, Zach has, you know, Brandon Allen and he doesn't have. Joe Burrow and all of these things and, and all of these reasons/slash excuses. Well, then Luna Rumo could say, "Look, Geno Atkins shelved himself, probably still dealing with the shoulder. You, you got DJ Reader out for the season. You've had all these injuries, uh, it, like." We could do that. We could play that game. No Carlos Dunlap, even though I do think that's on Anarumo and Taylor as much as it's on Dunlap. Like you, you have no pass rush. You don't get to Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones. Uh, the the reason Jones hurt his hamstring, I think, is because you you shoved him down. So you actually got a, a quarterback hit on that that one third down where he completed it for a first. But uh, other than that, they they just they can't pressure the quarterback. And I I don't know what it is or how they're going to be able to do it, or if they need to dial up more blitzes, or if it is that simple, it probably isn't, right? But they're, they're, they they got to find a way. And if you can't, like, think about it. They played a half of football, the Giants did, with essentially a half of football, with Colt McCoy under center. Like, you, you like your chances there of forcing a turnover or two, and they didn't. And I think that's because... McCoy was able to, to use his legs a little bit, uh, sit back there, and uh, just m- not make mistakes, right? Because you just don't want him, if you're the Giants, to lose the game. And if you're the Bengals on the flip side, you've got to force him to lose the game. And they didn't do that. So I don't know how much blame I put on Anarumo specifically. I look at it as a, a coach, the coaching staff as a whole to me. Like, look, we, we get it. You're shorthanded on, on both sides of the ball. But if you're going to win one of these next six, now five games, you have to outcoach that coaching staff that you're going up against. Because you're not going to have the best quarterback. You're probably not going to have the best pass rush. You have young linebackers outside of the best safety. Where are you the best? You're never going to have the best running back until Mixon comes back, and even then, who knows? Like it's you're not going to have the best offensive line. Like there are things that we know. But if the the difference between a good coach in my eyes and a, a poor coach or an average coach is getting more out of their guys. And you could say, well, oh, well they only lost by two and it was close and they had the ball with 49 seconds. Ah, I mean, it, it, it took a lot for that to happen. And, and I thought the game was, it was kind of over and I was shocked that they were in that position and obviously they couldn't take advantage. So at some point, I need to see it just from the staff in general. And we're well over a year and a half into this, and I haven't. So as a, as a staff as a whole, it's an issue. So my, my feelings really haven't changed about, you know, in a remote where Taylor or any of them. I need, I need them to, to show me something down the stretch. And it's tough. I'm not saying it's easy, but there's 32 head coaching jobs for a reason, right? There are 32 defensive coordinators for a reason. It, it's, it's hard to keep those positions, and it should be. And I think that the next five weeks now are, uh, are really critical for these guys to show that they deserve to, uh, to be back next year and lead this team. Because it, as bad as the roster looks right now, it could look much, much different and be really, really competitive in 2021. I believe that. But uh, it starts with the coaching and you need to see some kind of flash here over the next month and change.
1: I think that this is a conversation that will continue maybe in this episode, definitely over the next five weeks, because like a lot of Bengals fans, I'm looking for specific points of criticism from people. Like if if you're still looking for something, if your mind can still change about Zach Taylor, I need to know from people, what hasn't he done well that you didn't like? And what does he need to do? And, and the answer can't just be winning and losing football games, because if that's all it is, He's he's done enough. There's nothing left to evaluate. So, uh, I I just think that it's it's a very interesting conversation, and I would love for us to try to get more specific, and for Bengals fans to try to get more specific as well. If they still are making their mind up, for some people, I think the the two four wins through, uh, what twenty eight games, twenty six games, however many games it's been, is just enough, but other people are still looking for something and and making use of all the time available on this contract to try to make up their minds. So James, I think that conversation continues for us and for Bengals fans everywhere. I think that there are also probably a few other things we should talk about in this game. We'll get into those things coming up next.
3: We talk about it all the time, Jake built bar. It's the number one protein bar on the planet and they have the best deal. It's the best time right now to get Built Bar because their Cyber Monday deal. If you haven't seen this yet, go to builtbar.com. Check it out. 25% off everything. Plus, you're going to get a candy cane brownie, two free bars with every item purchased. Again, two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased, along with a free advent calendar. And the, the best thing about Built Bar, it's not the amazing taste, which the number one tasting protein bar on the planet, at least in my eyes. It is the macros. You're trying to get rid of that Thanksgiving weight that you put on. Well, Bilt Bar can help you get there. It's a perfect midday snack post-workout. They're packed with protein, low in sugar, perfect for your macros as you work on that summer bod because summer bods made in the winter. So check them out right now. Go to BiltBar.com. Check out their 25% off everything sale and save even more with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON.
0: all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie. So come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it.
1: James, I do want to continue that coaching conversation for just a couple minutes and then talk about some players that stood out in this game. Logan Wilson had a nice flash play, but only one that I remember Mackenzie Alexander, well, he did miss a tackle in the backfield on one play, had a couple of really nice plays in coverage, including an interception that should have been. But before we start to talk about some of the players that stood out, let's just really quickly, what is a specific thing that you think Zach Taylor needs to do better at?
3: Oh, I mean, the, 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 there's a bunch of things and, and it isn't as simple. You're right. It isn't as simple as win. And I think it was when you had Burrow. I really do. And now it's, it's a reason, right? You're going to be worse when you're missing a guy that hides the flaws that he does. We've seen it over the last six quarters of football. It's just the, the reality of it. They're, they're much, much worse without him on the field. And no coach can make up for that. No one. But at some point, I need to see this team win close games, so that doesn't mean go beat the Steelers on Monday night football. You can chalk that up to as an L and and I, even the Miami game next week is going to be a really tough game to win. But like this game it is a game where they were within two, they were tied at halftime. Uh, it was a one possession game for most of the day. It's there for the taking. And by the way, the giants didn't have Daniel Jones, their starter for most of the game and your defense kept you in it. So at some point you got to win the games, where you have a kickoff return for a touchdown, where you do have a turnover and your offense can't turn the ball over three times at the end. Right. And I know he can't necessarily control that, but at some point we need to see that part of it. And and I think that's just the reality. I mean, the offense scored 10 points today and seven of them were aided by a penalty that are multiple penalties, but let's be honest. What if the giants are just a little more disciplined? It felt like they checked out on that drive. They thought it was over because they're a young team and they're not used to winning. And, you know, if, if they're really in it on that drive, do do the Bengals even make it a game and score there? Or are they shut out in the second half? I had that whole story written, how they were shut out in the second half, didn't score, had two turnovers. And obviously they ultimately had a third one, but that was because they went down and scored. I, I, uh, I need to see some kind of, it, it can't just be, oh, we played really well, but lost to the Browns. Oh, we played really well, but we lost to, at some point, it isn't just about the offense, it's about putting together a complete team game. And that's, that's how they're going to have to play, right? I, I don't think that there are, there are teams every week that aren't as talented as their opponent, but find a way to win. And, and I think that the, the good coaches, and not that you can do it every week, because why wouldn't you do it every week if you could? They flash enough. And I haven't seen that. The, what The Tennessee win? Really, like that? That's what we're gonna go off of in two years. That's the win. That's the signature win. It can't be. And I'm not saying he's gonna beat the Steelers. Like I said, but you're gonna have to show me something, and and we'll know it. It doesn't. That's the thing. Is like I I don't even know if you can name it. Like with Burrow, it. We knew it. We haven't seen it with Zach Taylor or really any of this stuff. And at some point, if you haven't, then you have your answer. And I'm leaving it up to the next five weeks, whether it's fair or not because I don't want to make up my mind with a, you know, a quarter of the season left or more than a quarter of the season left. At the same time, it is an uphill climb in my book, and it might not be fair at this stage, but if he had beaten teams that I think they should have beat, whether it's week three against the Eagles or a bunch of their one-possession games earlier in the year, then we're not in this position anyway, and we're talking about how this team is building for the future, even with the Burrow injury, and they have their coach, and but but he's failed in that department. So I actually... I do think that, that w- winning a game or two does matter and, and finding a way to do it without winning, without the quarterback that always gives you a, a weekly advantage, winning without your star running back, winning without DJ or your top free agent signing, just finding a way to do that. And it isn't as simple. You're right. It isn't as simple as, okay, Zach Taylor won a game and he's back. And I'm not saying it is at the same time how in the world is this franchise going to push forward with this guy and the rest of the staff if they've won four games if if they flash if he flashes and and, and wins a game he shouldn't win with Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley in a, a beat up defense that is clearly has plenty of holes and you know an offensive line that's below average if he's able to do that well then this franchise could probably say, and, and I think, by the way, Jake, I think they're leaning this way. I don't think Ian Rappaport is off with this. I think if, if the season ended right now, Taylor would be back in year three. But for me personally, I just need to see more. And it isn't necessarily from, you know, a, a specific play. He needs to be a better play caller. No, I need him to be a better head coach. That's what I need. He He's flashed as a play caller. I believe he can work with Joe Burrow. I also think there are a lot of, a lot of offensive minds on the planet that can work with Joe Burrow. And so that is that's kind of where I'm at, and, and it's a really tough position, and I think it's kind of unfair in a way, because the the final five weeks it's going to be tough for this team to to win and and for him to to flash and show. At the same time, I think that's the position he's put himself in because he is four twenty two and one because they didn't get early season wins that they should have gotten, whether it's week one or week three or week four, right, or week six and week seven. I mean, there's so many times where they were this close. Well, now it feels farther away. And since he didn't get it done then, he's got to kind of pay the piper, try to make up for it right now.
1: Yeah, to me, that just sounds like you've made up your mind because I think we know exactly what's happening in the last five games of the season. And even if they win one of these games that they're not supposed to win, it's going to be hard for me to draw it up to anything other than a fluke when there are games that they should have won earlier in the year and they didn't take care of business. And it's the lack of taking care of business for me that makes it such that the last five games don't matter to me. I've made up my mind. I've seen all I need to see when they've had the team that they thought they wanted to have. And this is what it is. And and for me it goes down to roster construction and and just some particular mistakes in, in coaching hires and and that approach to personnel. And uh for, for me that's it. And if if you want to keep the book open, more power to you. But If you're saying that it needs to be wins to make up for wins that they didn't get early in the season, I I think that that result is just preordained at this point. But I guess that's why they play every Sunday. Uh, Real quick, James, let's hit on a few player performances before we wrap up. Brandon Wilson mentioned this at the top of the show. James, Team record, 103 yard kickoff return, longest return in team history. Von Bell, man coverage, not so good. The forced fumble, really good. Tackling, mostly good. Run game, pretty good. I think Josh Bynes, I I tweeted this during the game. I think he had probably the best game of his short Bengals career to this point. And I thought uh, Mackenzie Alexander had a pretty nice game in the slot. Uh, AJ Green, he got that one deep target, kind of disappeared. A little disappointing for this team to, to not try to get him involved And I feel the way you have probably all season and just that he is a veteran wide receiver. You have a a quarterback that needs help and, and there's gotta be a way that you can use him underneath on some simple stuff. And they tried to, to their credit, they did try. And the slant was just behind AJ. So uh, not a very good game for AJ green. Drew sample had the fumble was targeted a lot. Not really sure. I understand the game plan there. And Brandon Allen. I mean, to me, James, no different than Ryan Finley. You would have gotten the same exact result with Ryan Finley in the game there.
3: Maybe. I, I think Finley might have been a little worse, maybe. But, you know, that just – I don't think it would have been better, put it that way. I, yeah. I don't. And uh, the one thing you want to talk about, you know, creativity. Hey, instead of the, uh, the handoffs to, to Alex Erickson, how about Brandon Wilson gets those in practice this week? You know, put Brandon Wilson in, on offense and use him in those plays.
1: He was a running back at one point in his life, and that point was college. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm sure we will have much discussion about Zach Taylor and this coaching staff in the coming weeks. Tomorrow, we are back with Mock Draft Monday. We're not quite into the mock drafts yet. We will review them in case anybody has a Bengals picking anyone besides Penn ASL. We will let you know. But tomorrow, the conversation will be about an off-season approach, an off-season plan. And and as of today here in late November, what is that plan and what's the most efficient way to go about getting this team competitive in 2021? Until then Bengals fans, that's going to do it for this episode. Have a good one.
3: Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think